0: So we are in the middle, or not in the middle, we are coming to the end, if you can believe this, of our journey through the book of Psalms, that we have spent the entire year in the book of Psalms, and um, we, uh, here at Summit Ridge, we plan our sermon series a year in advance, and so we are looking at next year, kind of the theme running around that we're looking at and and kind of putting um, flesh on, if you will on this idea on this concept is the whole idea that we're going to devote much of next year to is the idea that we are the church we are the church and the importance of what that means for us to be the church what does it look like for us to be the church and so we're going to be looking at certain um books most likely in the new testament obviously that that kind of paints a really good picture of what it is for us to be the church as well as looking at common um uh issues if you will things dynamics that come into the church in case you didn't know this um i just want to give you a news flash the church is not perfect okay there are issues in the church all right we acknowledge this in fact if anyone should acknowledge the brokenness of humanity it should be us as christians it should be us as the church and we should just 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 simply lay it out and say you know what we're not perfect we don't have it all figured out in fact we have issues and and contrary to maybe popular belief or contrary to our desires we don't leave our baggage outside we bring it in that's why we have extra seating in here <laughs> it's to make room for your baggage and mine too I got a whole platform you can't see it but it, it would take it up we all bring our stuff in here and that's not a bad thing it's what is And I love the fact that we get to worship a creator. We get to worship a savior who says to us not to leave our baggage outside, but rather to bring it in here and let's deal with it. Because that's what I went to the cross for, Jesus says. That's what I went to the cross for. If we were perfect, there would be no need for our savior, right? None. Absolutely no need for a savior. And so next year, we're going to devote a good deal of that year talking about we are the church. But before we get there, we need to finish up here. And that is that we are in the book of Psalms, and we are coming to the end of this wonderful, beautiful series. And as I've shared before, I'll share it again. Um, Psalms is just an incredible, powerful book of prayer that is, you know, for us, this intimate, beautiful, frustrating, messy, dynamics that we call relationships not only with each other but specifically here in the book of Psalms that has to do with our relationship with God himself and if you haven't already discovered it I'll give you another news flash our relationship with God isn't perfect and it's not because he's not perfect it's because we're not perfect we go through ups and downs in our relationship with God as much as we go through ups and downs in our relationships with with one another it just happens The dynamic we have with each other is also the dynamic we can have and oftentimes do have with God himself, all right? In the book of Psalms, again, what I love about the scriptures is it doesn't hide the fallenness of our human nature, right? It doesn't paint an unrealistic, rosy picture of us and our relationship with each other and with God. It it just brings it out, for all of us to see and acknowledges the fact that we live in a fallen, broken world. And so in the reality of that is how do we navigate those dynamics in, in, in order for us to have a relationship with God and in order for us to have a relationship with each other that is in some ways healthy, not perfect, but healthy. That is, that is in many ways for us life giving as opposed to life kind of just draining, if you will. And that's what I love about the book of Psalms. Theologian N.T. Wright wrote this about the Psalms. The Psalms are inexhaustible and deserve to be read, said, sung, chanted, whispered, learned by heart, and even shouted from the rooftops. They express all the emotions we are ever likely to feel, including some we hope we may not. Think about that the psalms makes room for us to express emotions that we all naturally have and even expressing emotions in maybe those that we hope we don't want to express and here's what else they they do he writes and they lay them raw and open in the presence of god brothers and sisters if we cannot be honest with god who created us who knows us better than we know ourselves, then who in the world can we be honest with? Who in the world can we be honest with, right? Sometimes, and and the reason why I say that is because I think sometimes in our relationships with one another, whether they're in marriages, whether they're in friendships, whether they're in working relationships, whether they're in church relationships, when we ask someone what they're thinking, sometimes, and maybe this is just me, I don't wanna know what you're really thinking, what I want to know is that you're thinking the way I'm thinking. And sometimes, if you've ever encountered that, I want someone to agree with me. I want someone to affirm me and what I'm thinking. And chances are, if you ask someone, depending upon who you ask, they're not going to say that. They're not going to affirm what you're thinking. They would recognize it. They may even understand it. But they may not agree with it. Right? And the reality is is that sometimes i want someone to just agree with what i'm thinking and so i have to be careful who i ask right but if i really want to know the truth i'll ask someone who won't agree with me who will think differently than me who will be the one that says yeah i don't i don't agree with that line of thinking i just don't agree with it i don't think it's right I don't think it's healthy I don't think it's good you know you you know and and that's what I, I don't know about you but that's how I sometimes approach my relation with God I want God to agree with me I want God to be on my side and then I set the parameters for how that's supposed to look God you're on my side if right you're on my side if you do these things you say these things you agree with me in this way kind of thing that's just not the way it is it's just not the way it is and so oftentimes when someone asks me on and just turning the tables here Dan what do you think I oftentimes will say do you really want to know <laughs> 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 and then even then I have to qualify it I have to qualify it right I have to qualify. there was a I was at a pastor's another pastor's retreat I tend to go on a lot of retreats I don't know why it's just a, it's just par for the course. I was at a retreat during the week. So I, you never would have noticed it because I didn't miss a Sunday. I was here up in Mount Lemmon, the group of pastors and we were talking and a, a pastor in this group had shared a story in which he was in with another group of pastors in California. And there was a young pastor among them among these older pastors. And this young pastor was soliciting advice. If you will, from these older pastors, he was just starting out at ministry He was just beginning to pastor a church, his first pastorate, and he asked these older pastors for advice. Well, one of the older pastors in this group was a previous police chief in a city in California who had become a pastor and worked uh, at a very prominent church there called First Evangelical, which Chuck Swindoll pastored at one point, and now he was an associate pastor there. And if you ever run around a police officer, they just don't mince words. They've seen the rawness of life. They've seen the hardness of life. Because, you know, chances are if you call a cop, it isn't for something good. Cops see the worst in everybody. I mean, that's just a reality. And so nonetheless, this pastor now, once a cop, just offers this advice to this person. And he says, well, prepare to get your butt whooped. Prepare to get your butt kicked. He probably didn't want to hear that. Uh, you know, can you tell me something different? I mean, it's just that sometimes, in many ways, the advice of life. Someone asks you, can you give me some advice for how to navigate life? Can you give me some advice to help me prepare for what I may experience? Yeah, it's going to be really hard at times. And in the midst of that hardness, in the midst of that, the times of suffering that you may experience you're going to have these wonderful beautiful great moments of peace and tranquility and where your family's doing well your job is well the you know the dog is not sick and throwing up all that kind of stuff it's it's going to be a wonder and it, in those moments it might give you the strength to continue on for another day <laughs> to give you some capacity to say thank you jesus right just how it is. I say all that to say that the passage we're going to come to today is going to be talking about God's goodness. And we're going to be taking a look at God's goodness. And here's the thing when we talk about God's goodness is there is a lot of reason, I believe, for us to doubt whether or not God is good. There's a lot of reasons for us to be able to think that How in the world is God good when I look at the world around me? Let's not even just say the world around me, although that's enough. And look at all of the conflict, look at all of the things that are going on there. Let's just, and not even look in our own country, but more importantly, let's just look at our own lives and what we have been through, chances are. Maybe many of us here, and I know many of us have battled unbelievable illnesses like things like cancer and other things other of us have experienced economic hardship we've lost our jobs we've lost our homes all of that kind of stuff we have gone through just awful things many of us have even lost our spouses have lost children have lost all of this stuff and i stand up here on a sunday morning and i say god is so good and you're thinking understandably so really how is god so good how is god so good if that is where you are this morning, and chances are you may be or may not be, I do not know, if you're here this morning and you're like, oh yeah, God is good, God bless you, may you rest in that season of life for as long and as possible forever as long as you are alive on this earth. But if you're here this morning and you're saying, man, how is it that God is, is good when I look, all else, look around me? I, I hope this morning maybe we can shed some light on why he is so good. On on why in spite of everything that we may be experiencing, the hardship, the pain, the suffering, etc., that in the midst there, that maybe we can discover, maybe we can affirm, maybe we can once again be reminded that God is so good. So this morning, the psalm we're going to look at to navigate this is Psalm 106. And if you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn there. Uh, We'll have it on the the two monitors in front of me here as well. Um, But I want to just work us through this and navigate this and by the way um let me just encourage you if you have a bible with you great i would encourage if you don't have a physical bible i would encourage you to bring one here's why i think sometimes we have to get used to understanding how our bible works and sometimes it's important to know where these books are it's important to know sometimes our phones we won't always have them although i think that's fine if you want to look on your phone sometimes get this sometimes it may go down the internet cell service right (laughs) all that kind of stuff. Sometimes you may only have now two things at that point. You may only have a physical Bible or you better have it memorized in your heart kind of thing. I'm just saying. Sometimes it's good just to just to have a physical Bible. This is the one thing I'm still old school on. Can you believe that? I rarely, um, I always have a physical Bible with me in my backpack, whatever. I just, I'm just always nervous that I won't have Bible when I need one if my phone goes down or whatever else breaks or whatever it might be but that's just an encouragement not a have to no judgment just an just an encouragement that's all all right um so let's take a look as we look at this Psalm 106 um why the psalmist reaffirms in many ways why God is so good and I have two big reasons I want to share with you this morning of why I believe God is so good and the first reason this is this God is so good to us because of who he is. And he is good. God is good. Let's read the first opening verses here of Psalm 106. And it says this The psalmist writes, and it's most likely David, we don't know for sure who wrote this psalm, but it's most likely David. Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And his loyal love endures forever. Who can adequately recount the Lord's mighty acts or relate all his praiseworthy deeds? How blessed are those who promote justice and do what is right all the time. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people... Pay attention to me when you deliver, so I may see the prosperity of your chosen ones, rejoice along with your nation, and boast along with the people who belong to you. I want to stop right there. The psalmist declares, and in many ways, makes a statement that for those who are most likely reading this, believe it is already true, and that is this. Our God is good. And why is he good? Because he is good. He personifies good. His character is good. He is good. If we want to know what good looks like, look to Jesus. Because Jesus is good. And yet even there, how we label who is good, we have to be very careful about. Jesus himself said this in Luke 18, verses 18 through 19. He says this. Now, a certain leader asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. And what Jesus was saying in that was saying very much, hey, be careful who you call good. Do not throw that term around so willingly rather realize that only God is good Jesus was not saying he was not good that's not what he was saying what he was saying is be cautious about what it is that or who rather who you call who is good that's how important this is only God is good as Jesus says it is incredibly powerful statement when we say that God is good what we are saying is that there is no evil in him there is no evil in God in fact evil is the absence of good evil isn't something it is rather evil is the absence of something it is a black hole that is what evil is and if you want to know again what god looks like, or what good looks like look to god he absolutely personifies everything that is good and here's how we know how much and how good he is verse 1 says it his loyal love endures forever his loyal love endures forever that loyal love that word there love is hased that is a uh, if you will kind of the same kind of love that is the the loving kindness if you will the loving kindness that is displayed it is a special kind of love that he has for us and and, and God is incredibly good he is Good. That's who God is. Now, let's just oppose that to who we are. The psalmist says this in verse 6, in 106. We have sinned like our ancestors. We have done wrong. We have done evil. Our ancestors in Egypt failed to appreciate your miraculous deeds. They failed to remember your many acts of loyal love, and they rebelled at the sea by the Red Sea. That not only describes the people of Israel at the time when they were being brought out of Egypt and God was rescuing them and bringing them into the promised land and all of the the things that they did, from the golden calf to the complaining to all of this stuff, in the midst of miracles That were unbelievable at the time, from parting the Red Sea to all the plagues that fell on Egypt to all of the things like manna from heaven. I mean, they had heaven food and they still complained about heaven food. Think about that. They had water from a rock, right? I mean, all of this kind of miraculous stuff. And it even shares with us the clothing they left Egypt with by the time they got to the promised land was still good. Same pairs of shoes for 40 years didn't wear. Think about that. Think about that. Their clothing was not tattered. And in fact, when Moses died, he died not because he was frail, not because he couldn't see well, not because he couldn't hear well, not because it was his time that he was just, well, your your time is spent. No, the scriptures describe Moses as being still in his prime. Remember when Moses was called to bring Israel out of Egypt? He was 80 years old. Many of us look at 80 and think, whew, getting ready to retire at that point. In fact, I'm already retired at that point. Moses was just getting started. Moses was just getting started. The work he did before then was just training when he was shepherding sheep and all that kind of stuff. He was just getting started. I mean this is the miraculous stuff and i don't know about you but sometimes i've been tempted and think god if you ever did that today if you ever parted a sea if you ever rained down manna from heaven oh i would believe you even more i wouldn't complain i would eat this stuff willingly i would just be careful be careful miracles wear down and wear out over time i'll never forget this in one of the earliest churches i served in there was a A couple that had a son and when he was born the son was was dead stillborn and um, it was devastating absolutely devastating and so the father and the mother they were grieving the death of their son and there he is in this little bed in the hospital and the father went over to say his last goodbyes to his son before they would wheel him out of the room and as he was saying his last goodbyes the son started breathing The son came alive, still alive to this day. Him and my older daughter are the same age. They used to play together. And I'll never forget what the pastor at the time said. He said, it's a miracle. And then several years later, when I was still there, he would say, yeah, it's a miracle, but here's the thing. After a while, miracles begin to poop. <laughs> miracles begin to cry. Miracles begin to complain. And we begin to kind of forget that This is a miracle. Never mind the fact that just a child, a baby, is a miracle in and of itself. It's amazing. But a child who was born stillborn and comes alive, that's a miracle. And yet even miracles over time wear off, the effect of them. It just happens. We forget all the wonderful things that God does in our lives because it gets crowded in by all the stuff that's happening now. And this is what the psalmist is writing. He's saying, they failed to remember your, acts of, your many acts rather, of loyal love. And they rebelled. That's us. The story of the Israelites is our story. There's unbelievable things that God has done in our lives. And perhaps we can remember or maybe, maybe we can barely recall, or whatever else, all of these wonderful things that God has done. But yet, here we are today saying, God, why? And we rebel, and we sin, and we, we do all this stuff. In fact, this is our position. Psalm 14, 1 through 3, even describes it like this. Fools say to themselves, there is no God. Fools say to themselves, there is no God. They sin and commit evil deeds. None of them does what is right. The Lord looks down from heaven at the human race to see if there's anyone who is wise and seeks God. Everyone rejects God. Everyone. Everyone rejects God. They are all morally corrupt. None of them does what is right. Not Even one. Yeah, but but Dan, look at David. David was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. What did David do? What did David do? Yes. What is the one thing we remember about King David? Even if you've never read the scriptures, you remember him and Bathsheba. Right? You remember that story. David sinned, and so even, in this, this psalm is so powerful that even Paul quotes it in Romans 3, there is no one among us who is good, no one, not one is good. We are so fallen, we are so sinful that even in our, our, our desire to do good, we still mess up right? Even in our desire to, to try to help, even in our desire to try to assist, even in our desire to try to make things better, we in some ways make things worse. Just happens, right? It just happens. I was, I was thinking about a couple of things about even just on a humanity level. We, we do some unbelievable things because we're made in God's image, because God has endowed us with these things to do, things like a beautiful mind and things that we can create and think, the very things that God himself does, he has also imbued in every single one of us. And yet, because of our sin, because of our brokenness, because we have rebelled against him, even in those aspects of things that we do that are trying to help, we in many ways miss the mark. Recycling. Not against recycling. I think recycling's a great thing, you know? But the reality is, recycling if you if you read about it is that the fact that those those plastic water bottles that we have now they're saying don't recycle those it just gets shipped off to third world countries and winds up in rivers and lakes over there doesn't help throw them away because at least they'll get incinerated we're just trying to help how many of us you know, humanity, that we've introduced different species to help counter a species that we have in crops. And also we find out, oh my word, what do we do? Now we've got this invasive species. It won't stop. We were just trying to help. How many of us in our desire to help all of a sudden now have caused greater pain? wasn't our desire. It just happens. We mess up and we don't even, when we're trying not to mess up, we still mess up. We are fallen creatures. We are fallen creatures. It is just how it is. In fact, John Piper has a great quote about sin. And he defines sin this way, and he says the following. What is sin? It is the glory of God, not honored. The holiness of God, not reverenced. The greatness of God, Admired The power of God not praised. The truth of God not sought. The wisdom of God not esteemed. The beauty of God not treasured. And he goes on, he says, The goodness of God is not savored. The fullness of God is not trusted. The commandments of God not obeyed. The justice of God not respected. The wrath of God not feared. The grace of God not cherished. The presence of God not prized. The person of God not loved. That is sin. That is sin. That's us. That's us. And yet, verse 8 says this. You thought I was done yet. Not done. Yet he delivered them for the sake of his reputation or his name. Because he is good. Another way of saying his name or his reputation is character. He can't help but do it, because he is good, that he might reveal his power, and it goes on in verse 19, I'm going to skip down, and says this, and and just again a reminder of how evil, how sinful the people of Israel were in this time, it says this in verse 19, they made an image of a calf at Horeb and worshipped a metal idol, they traded their majestic God for the image of an ox that eats grass, How many of us trade the image of God for something much less? I once heard someone say this, and I think it's very true. We are the only creatures in this world that can hit below and that actually can stoop below our intended purpose for what we were created for. A dog doesn't do that. A cat doesn't do that. I mean... A mosquito doesn't do that but we do but we do it's terrible and he goes on and he says this and they rejected the god who delivered them the one who performed great deeds in egypt amazing feats in the land of ham mighty acts by the red sea He threatened to destroy them, but Moses, his chosen one, interceded with him and turned back his destructive anger. I mean, it was amazing. The things they did. And before we begin to say, boy, I'm glad I'm not one of them. No, we are. And in many ways, we may just be as bad or even worse. And yet God is so good. God is so good. The question of why is there suffering in the world? And why does God allow suffering? It's an age-old question that isn't, I believe, on this side of of heaven is cannot be fully answered to a degree that will satisfy. It won't satisfy me. And, And by the way, even if we took God out, guess what? That doesn't solve the suffering. That doesn't solve the pain. And in fact, what that does is it makes things worse, because now, how is it dealt with if God is no longer here? How is it made right if God is no longer here? How can it be eradicated if God is no longer here? Because we can't do it, Oh, we try, and we just make things worse. We try, and it doesn't always go according to plan. We try, and all of a sudden now we wonder, why is it all of a sudden not working the reason why it's not working is you cannot fix what is fallen by something else or someone else that has also fallen, that has caused the fallenness. It requires someone much, much better than that. And that is Jesus. God is good. That's reason number one. Here's reason number two. God is so good to us because what he does is good. What he does is good. Psalm 106, near the end of this psalm, the psalmist writes the following. Many times he delivered them, that is the people of Israel, but they had a rebellious attitude and and they degraded themselves by their sin. Yet he took notice of their distress when he heard their cry for help. He remembered his covenant with them and relented because of his great loyal love. He caused all their conquerors to have pity on them. Deliver us, O Lord our God. Gather us from among the nations. Then we will give thanks to your holy name and boast about your praiseworthy deeds. The Lord God of Israel deserves praise in the future and forevermore. Let all the people say we agree. Praise the Lord. Even in the midst of Israel's worst sins and rebelliousness, God still answered their prayers. Their cries for help. He still delivered them. What he does is good. So here's a question What are some practical ways that God shows his goodness? Let me just list a few of them. One, it should be fairly obvious right now. He wakes us up. We're alive today. That's a good thing. We got up. We may not have wanted to get up. We may have wanted to sleep in more i get that but we have the luxury of having those thoughts because of the very nature of the fact that we woke up we woke up here's another ways the sun is shining it's out it's wonderful it's beautiful the temperatures are cooler now fall is here thank goodness He answers our prayers. We may not always recognize it, but He answers our prayers. He provides for us every single day. Every single day. There are just some things just on a very elemental level that He does that are just so good. We just need to recognize, thank you, Jesus, for giving me enough food for me to eat today. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to serve you today and be alive on this earth today. Thank you, Jesus. Just Just recognize it just for one day and how good he is. A.W. Tozer says this, with the goodness of God to desire our highest welfare, the wisdom of God to plan it, and the power of God to achieve it, what do we lack? Surely we are the most favored of all creatures. Surely we are the most favored of all creatures. Do You understand that this is what God's posture towards us is a posture of goodness, a posture of wanting us to experience everything that he has in store for us, a posture of us not wanting to suffer needlessly, not wanting us to suffer for the sake of suffering, but he wants us to experience and to live the kind of life that he has always wanted us to live, a life that is absolutely dedicated to him. And for him to show his goodness to us, even though we may not always think it's good, it is. Brennan Manning, an author and pastor who died a few years ago, said this. By the way, this was a gentleman who struggled with alcohol. It a gentleman who had his own battles, if you will. And he said this, a saint is not someone who is good, but who experiences the goodness of God. love that we're all saints not because we're good but because we get to experience the goodness of God so there's a phrase we say at times here at Summit Ridge it's a phrase that's shared a lot around churches around the globe you know it we said it a few weeks ago I'm going to say it again God is good all the time and all the time You know where that phrase came from? That phrase is a call and response affirmation of faith. It's often used in the African-American churches and the leader oftentimes says God is good and the congregation responds all the time and the leader says then all the time and the congregation responds God is good. The phrase comes from Psalms 23 and 107 as well as from the gospel of John chapter 10 verse 11 it actually originated in Nigeria and went viral in Liberia among Christians facing persecution. Incredible hardship. It became popular and spread throughout the church. And the phrase simply means that God is good all the time, no matter what our circumstances might be. God's goodness is based on who he is and what he does and he continues to show us love, grace, mercy generosity and favor even when we don't deserve it our God is good all the time and all the time God is good, do you believe it? do you believe it even when in the midst of suffering? do you believe it? Even in the midst when things are not going the way you hoped they would be going. Can you say this phrase? What I love about this is that we don't always know, and I'm grateful for this, what God's doing in the midst of all of this stuff that's going on in our world. I don't understand it fully. I know he has a plan. And I wish he would share it. Right? But he doesn't. And so what are we going to do? Get angry about the fact that, God, you didn't share your plan with me. Are we going to get busy with going, you know what, God, I don't know what the plan is. I wish I knew what the plan is, but you know what, I just know you. And I know you're good. And I'm going to trust you. That even in the midst of the worst situations, you bring good out of it. And in case we forget that, look to the cross. Look to the cross, the worst way for a person to die in jesus's day the time in which the disciples thought this is the end we're finished everything we had dedicated our life to gone the three plus years we spent with jesus the miracles we saw the teachings we heard the things we even did in his name is now all over as other you know movements have gone so has gone christianity What they didn't know, and now we do know, is that the cross, the very thing by which one died, was the very thing Jesus died on to conquer death. Only God could have done that. He is so good. He is so good. Probably better than I could ever possibly realize. And so church, let us remember this morning. God is good all the time and all the time. Father, I pray this morning that that truth would rest not only on our minds, but in our hearts. I pray, Jesus, that we would not forget, particularly in those moments when we are facing difficulty, pain, heartache that while we may not understand everything that is happening in our world and for the reasons why they are happening, Jesus, I pray nonetheless that we would know and rest in the fact that we know you. And you are good. You are so, so good, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for who you are and for what you do. It's your holy and precious name that we pray.